right now. And we are recording. Welcome everyone this evening. Thank you so much for joining us at the Team Resilience Anxiety Hour podcast. This evening we have a very special guest who is going to be talking all things men and sex and intimacy and anxiety in men. Um, <laughs> yeah, so excited to have Mr. David Morrison joining us and sharing all of his knowledge and expertise. So I will, I will head over, uh, hand it over to Trent first of all, so he can do the formal introduction for yep. you and let everyone know where you come from and yep. what you're all about. Have a good and then backstory. Over to you. Awesome. awesome. Yes. Well, actually, Mel, um, I know you probably got some questions and feel free to jump in tonight because you, you and I, through our coaching journey, as in me coach, you client going through um, your own separation and with a very rigid, uh, rigid, rigid, rigid man, um, uh, you've got your own backstory and, and you've really embraced feedback there. So, Mel, I do want you to jump in dude, whenever you want, because I, I'm sure you're looking forward to listening to this as well. Um, David Morrison, how do I describe this guy? Well, if you've never seen David before, um, he's, I would describe him as professional. Like this guy really shows up each and every day. He's very humble in his approach. He really does care. Now, um, he's got an amazing um, group where he runs a six-week boot camp out of, based out of Sydney. And um, you've got clients nationally, is that right, David? Yeah, all, all around the world. All around the world. Sorry, globally. Oh, yep. Way better than me, mate. This is awesome. So you've got a global audience, which is really great. Got your own podcast, um, which I've just started engaging in. And once again, we talked before we jumped on the podcast about being nervous and showing up and serving. Um, mate, I'm super excited uh, to uh, talk to you tonight. We can, we've, we've only really known each other the last four or five weeks um and trying to plan some big mastermind which unfortunately the whole world got shut down so we'll, we'll talk more about that in 2021 i guess but um mate uh thank you so much for taking time away from your wife and and, and your beautiful wife and your kids thank you um uh I, I consistently see smiling happy faces and also uh, you are very creative in the family circle i've seen you do boot camps um yep. with your kids you do fun you do have a lot of fun you exercise with your family like you really do lead uh by example so mate welcome to the anxiety hour podcast thank you for jumping on thank you for having me on man like um it's been awesome to you know like it i think the fact that i'm here for anyone watching or listening is a great example of the importance of of you know your peer group right now is exceptionally exceptionally important so um you know joel lord who might be someone for, i think he was you interviewed him last week um yeah we yeah so we talked about joel and i met um a few years ago through a mutual friend uh that we met my other friend who's in my tight group of five like i have a five a group of five men that are in my close circle um and this person connected joel and i um, and uh, another long story, that friend of mine, Tim, we actually met at David Destiny five years ago. That's a whole other story. Um, but, yeah, amazing event. And, um, you know, Joel and I have always kept in contact and I've always admired Joel and, and Joel, like, you know, connected us up. So just from the get-go, like the importance of right now for men, particularly communication peer group, um, links 
all roads lead back to like, you know, directionality, your strength and certainty and clarity as a man. That connects to intimacy. It connects to um, how you show up like in business and in life. Um, but and then, it'll, and then it all flows into, you know, how do you show up every single day? So, yeah, I mean, we, we became connected through that whole importance of peer group, which I think is just a great example of it. Like a lot of people don't consciously choose the people they spend time with and as a result, they get mixed results all the time. Well, I think that's really, really a good, and we'll go in and out of it. We're just going to flow tonight, mate. I've got questions here, but really want to flow. It's a really great point. Um, a lot of guys are going to relationship. Like uh, with, I really lost in my marriage before I got divorced. I had no friends yep. really like throughout it. I went, I became friends with her friends and I even started to do that with Jess until we really started to expand our space and, and really yeah. become clear, like you said. So like, mate, that that's like, uh, hell yeah, that's, how many guys out there have no friends when they go into a relationship, they start focusing on career and that sort of stuff. So yeah, already bang on. I love it, mate. That's a great point. I mean, for men, like we go through, like I was trying to chart this thing out today. This is where my brain goes. I was trying to like, I was mapping out the journey and the evolution of men in the last hundred years, kind of like the stock market, which is topical right now. And, um, and the different there, what what I arrived at just at one point is there's no, um, uh, what's the word for it? There's no ceremonial um, acknowledgement of manhood anymore. Like other societies still have it, like tribal societies, but modern man does not really have it, right? So that there is no, and if you're my age, like 45, 46, divorce rate for your parents was around about 53% in the 80s. So um, you probably grew up with with no father figure in your life or no direct male role model. Now, um, this is an open slather call, is it, basically? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I mean, not to swear or anything like that, but I'll just share all the stuff that's gone on in my life. Um, so that in itself, like not having those those present role models for like pretty much fifty percent of the male population, you know, when you start to chart that, what does that mean? Well, um, it means for me, like I'll share my own personal story because everyone loves a good backstory, and um, you know, mine was coming from that environment. And I, like everyone, you get you arrive at that point where you thank all your circumstances for allowing you to be in the places where you are. Like I'm here right now being able to talk to everyone on this call um, because of everything that's happened in my life for me. And, you know, part of that was family separated. And, you know, moved to Sydney, Australia, moved to Sydney, Australia. It sounds like I'm from another country. Moved to Sydney from Albury, which is kind of another country from Albury, Wodonga. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I might as well be going to another country. And, you know, I... I grew up with an amazing mum. She worked really hard. She raised two boys by herself, worked multiple jobs. But interestingly enough, like I grew up with a, you know, your typical quite, quite a feminine um, um, environment, right? Lots of women around me. So that meant I had great um, ability to empathise easily with women and connect with them very easily. They didn't feel very threatened around me. Um, However, like not having that role, that male role model also left me very, um, you know, open to things. So like, you know, uh, I went through a period where I was like about 12, 13, um, got sexually abused by someone that I was actually working for at that age, which was really, which, which I compartmentalized for 33 years up until about two years ago. I had to go through that of acknowledging that and just like doing all the breakthrough work, everything, right? Now, you can't blame that on not having an absent father um, or anything like that. It's just, to me, I see that as a gift because it's allowed me to um, be able to help other people like you can lead people out of darkness that you've walked out of yourself so to speak um and it's like the, the more and more you keep diving into who you are how does that all then lead to like what we're talking about tonight so 
I like I I've come to the realization through all my coaching. So I just specifically focus on dad men, and the whole thing around being optimized was. I saw through all my coaching work the, the fundamental challenge for men today and the dysfunction of a lot of relationships, like this depolarization of energy and no one really knowing how to lead or what it means to be a man as a woman. For, for men particularly, it's because they were not making the best use of who they are. Right? And if you think like you're, you're placed in this earth to, um, to, to be something other than just exist, and particularly for a man, not being able to live into that space is like kryptonite. Okay, and then when you overlay that with we've now like evolved in this world of more consciousness, all this other kind of stuff, right? But there is no, there's no, there's no playbook being handed out. Like my dad certainly didn't give me one at all. Uh, and you know, when you start moving into like I was, I was there speaking at an event a while ago, and you know, I talked about how like you can move from being a man, a husband, and a father in nine months. Right. And that's it. on face value. You just like, you know, I wanted to have a family, wanted to have kids. So we were like linked in and dialed into that. And that was, that was all great. But then when we, and we kind of going through the motions and doing all the right things, buying a house, property, renovating houses, having kids, all that kind of stuff. But then you get to this point where there's all this other external stuff starts coming in and then it starts to impact your relationship. And as a man, you, like I didn't have the skills because I just thought my wife was angry and pissed off at me all the time. Why is she whinging? Um, and that, like another thing for men is criticism, but it's not really criticism. It's just a, um, asking, asking for, um, asking for support, asking for you to be strength in a moment. But then the biggest problem is so many men don't know how to be strong anymore. Not because they don't want to, they're just fucking scared of shit of being kicked to the curb for doing the wrong thing because of political correctness. I'll stop there if you want to interrupt because I'll just keep going all night. <laughs> no, man, like, hey, I'm really good at butting in. <laughs> yeah, so, awesome. Um, so, but, like, let's just regret. Like, so thank you very much for your vulnerability. Like, I remember listening to Lewis Howe's story and he's kind of where I started. And we're both Matthew, massive fans of Gareth J. White. So you brought up two great, the vulnerability and the courage it took to share your experiences around what you went through. I, I went and did a podcast with a guy a year and a half ago and he, he went through a similar scenario and without going into his story, in fact, where it was confusing, he was told it was wrong, yet he enjoyed it. Yeah. Now, yeah, so there's all yeah. this confusion and conflict. And as you know, with energy, if there's external, it's okay. The conflict's got to live somewhere. Yeah. So he had all this, all this conflicting messages and, and we're not going to go in deep into that because it can be taken way out of context. But yeah. I think um, and Lewis Howe sharing his story about how that, and that was really the catalyst for him when he opened up about that scenario and, and your yeah. topic about leading people out of the dark when you've led yourself. Out of it. Yeah. The other thing, like you look at, and this is some stuff I've read about monks, like uh, they'll master the dark energy before they go into the light and things like that. And I think this is something we ticked our clients about really leaning into the dark energy and leaning into the anxiety, leaning into the fear. So yeah. it's like, um, instead of sedating it. So, yeah, Which a lot of people um, like you know, massive, yep. massive, massive yep. alcohol, drug dependency for about a decade. So, you did, yeah. Oh wow! So, what, tell me, like, it, a bit of a timeline. I know you started mapping out men and evolution, yep. and and, yeah. I, and uh, did you hear the um the Dad Edge podcast with Gareth Gareth J White? That's a, did you hear that one? No, I didn't know. It's he talked about 
men and how before the industrial revolution, um, yeah. how men were bringing up men. And then what happened was the men left the home to go and work in, yeah. in factories and things like that. So yeah. that was something else that really, you it's know, that and then all ceremonial, the time, like there was, there was a, there was a handover. There was a, and it was not about like people having their own individual roles and like you do this, you do that, but there was some kind of transition. There was some kind of um, initiation into what it meant to be a man. And, and, having that absent and having that um um what's the word for it like there's been a balancing of equality which is kind of like a double negative isn't it um uh that needed to take place in terms of men and women and and i and i i completely like um endorse all that all of it because i've got three daughters um what's what's happened though is we don't we don't know how to, neither of us even let, let, need to know how to let go of control in moments. And that comes from, um, you know, like if a woman has not, has not been able to feel vulnerable because of the way the people she's let into her life, so then it takes an exceptionally strong man to step in to make that woman feel safe, to open herself up. But for that man to do that, then he has to understand that her fear, her, um, every now and then this crazy bitch turns up, um, that you don't know where the fuck she's come from, um, that's, that's not, you know, she's getting angry at you. She's looking for certainty in a situation, but for majority of men, they'll take the criticism, the feedback, the feedback as criticism because they don't understand how the female brain works. And so then you'll, you'll end up in this situation where it's just like, um, I'm not getting feedback. I'm not getting feedback. Um, I'm actually going to start getting more significance in, in from work or whatever it could be. And then on top of that, I'm just going to just dose it down with some good sedation and a few other different avenues. Um, and then we're going to start a story of incompatibility. And then before you know it, we sleep on the other sides of the bed and, you know, have about sex for 12 months. Um, but like, uh, it's, it's something that's really, oh man, like I've got, I've written about half a dozen things already. Like, and it's just, even helping me in my own personal circumstance. Like I've got the greatest relationship I've ever had right now, but the last four to six months, it's been more patches of disconnect than connect. And yeah. it's, uh, I realized the last week that I've been avoiding the conversation that needs to have. She's like, bro with me. And I'm like, I got to work. I got to build this. I got to build this bad boy. I got to build yeah. this mission. Like, Oh wait. And then the criticism does come out because she doesn't, she's not certain. She doesn't trust me. Yeah. And, and, the, and, the, and the thing that will frustrate men forever is that, um, uh, you know, a woman will, will, will trust you, but it's not like um, you just t- click the ticket once. Um, it's going to get tested and tested and tested and tested. Now, this is, not, this is not a sign of, hey, I don't believe you. It's just, it's just the way it's hardwired in. And as soon as you accept that, and, and, and it's, everyone knows the power of reframing, you're going, right, well, I'm just... I'm, I'm just getting tested a little bit more because like, and, you know, any man that sat there and just went, oh, what an amazing, you know, passionate, um, energetic, incredible, fun woman that just loves me and all that kind of stuff. Well, that comes at a price um, that, that she ain't going to just turn up and flick that shit on every single day. Now, particularly once you start having kids and getting married and, and all the other kind of shit, right? Life gets a little bit more um, complicated and busy. Um, so... As a man, like you have to get more deeper and deeper connected with, okay, right, what are these key drivers that um, create moments? And then what does that mean for me in a positive, empowering way about where I need to grow and stand up and step up as myself? Because um, otherwise what happens is, you know, there's, um, oh, what is his name, John Gotham? Um, he just writes a lot of relationship marriage books and he talks about like the four apocalypse. 
um, of a relationship. And, and the four apocalypse is just like various, various stages, four horses of the, of the apocalypse, he calls it, like various stages of disconnect in a relationship. And eventually you get to, um, you know, you get to sort of like a bit of a mismatch of, en- of energy and message, right? And then, and then you start to create stories. And we know how bad stories can be because once you create a story, you create a belief and then you're going to start validating those beliefs by the way that you see your external, your other side. Um, and then you'll start to uh, create a story of incompatibility in your mind. And then once we start to create that story, we're going to look for evidence to support our belief. Um, and then you've got like almost like one foot out the door type thing uh, scenario. And we've all spoken to people like that who have got like one foot out the door. Um, and energetically, we can all feel that when someone's checked out. Uh, and then there is, um, you know, that's, we get that stonewalling almost where it becomes a real tit for tat type stuff. Um, yeah, Bre- I, I think Brene Brown said it best. Um, you know, I can't remember if it was the power of vulnerability or what it was, but um, she said a woman would, uh, she got a, some feedback from a man and the man said that a woman would rather a man die on his horse in, in armor than show any sort of vulnerability. Now, um, I understand energy. I understand that uh, my uh, my Jess, my unicorn, who can turn to dinosaur in about three point two seconds. Mm. Um, if I show any sort of vulnerability, she is like physically repulsed. Like, get out of my presence. Mm. So that's been that's been really challenging to like when you talk about the passion and the love, and we 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 love that, but also I get the opposite. Yeah. So the, so the, I think there's a difference too between um, uh, vulnerability. Um, so when I, when I think of vulnerability, there is a, um, it's an openness, right. To express something, which is great in a relationship. So like, let's like, we're talking about like intimacy and and intimacy is lots of different things. Intimacy can just be having the ability to have an open conversation with someone that you're in a relationship with, right. There's different varying levels of intimacy Now, the depth of intimacy you can experience is all going to be based on openness, right? Openness comes from trust, feeling safe. Um, like the, the key things around what drives like polarity, which is like energy, like everyone's probably familiar with polarity, like in relationships is, you know, from a, from a woman's perspective, she's going to want to feel safe, seen and heard. And from a man's perspective, he's going to get, wants to see the maximum amount of openness and he'll need to have, um, he'll need to have a level of freedom in his life, um, and variety for him to be in his masculine and for, so vice versa for the two. And then when you have those two forces at play, then man's got, you know, total certainty. Like I talk a lot about directionality. Like the biggest, most, the biggest epidemic right now is 99.9% of men have no direction in life whatsoever because almost because of their peer group and the way they were raised, it was almost a bit weird to own having a direction, particularly in Australia, right? To have that level of, right, I'm going to fucking go do this. This is how I'm going to go make this happen. Now, that level of directionality, like, you know, a key characteristic of a man with true directionality about him will be a, of, a, of a decisive nature, be able to make decisions because he knows where he's going and he knows what he's doing, okay? Um, so when you have that at play in your life and you bring that energy into your relationship with, a, with your significant other, um, they will feel that level of decisiveness. Like the classic example was who, who's ever been in the car and you know, taking 20 minutes to work out a restaurant. It's like, oh, no, you do it. No, you do it. No, you decide. You decide. And you don't want to upset her, but, like, deep down she's just like, like, just fucking take charge and book the restaurant. I might whinge and complain, but that's just me testing you because I just want you to sort it out. But I'll pretend like I want to. And that goes for, like, all areas of life. 
Yeah, mate, we have an ask once rule, and I learned that through my mentors. So it's like, what do you want? And then I walk into a place, and I don't know. Then it's like, all right, we're going here. So um, ask once rule has been phenomenal when I first heard that. Um, now, I guess the big thing for me, can you describe, right? And I want to go back into your story again about your dependency and, and suppression yeah. and things like that. But right now, can you describe the like the, the, the i guess the not the average but the the typical person that comes in front of you because a lot of the posts i see about how you'll the guys they get back into their relationship that they, they they really are starting to find deep love for self and their family yeah. in it. like how, how would you describe your average client um my average client is usually in a place of um their housemates with their wife Yep. Um, they'll have, um, you know, it's not a medical condition, but cranky dad syndrome. Uh, <laughs> Is that like man flu? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they'll have potentially some kind of dependency issue. And dependency can be everything from alcohol, drugs, to being obsessed with a sport team as opposed to family. Um, like knowing more about, I did a post once one day, it was like, uh, I said, so, um, I'm looking for the dads out there that know more about their football team than their own family. Um, and, and they're all there. They take a lot of significance because they can hang around the water cooler or wherever it is on Monday and just talk like they know everything back to front, but they don't know any other area of their life. So they've got some kind of dependencies going on. Um, they, are, they are typically men that have actually married an alpha female and don't know how to handle her. Interesting. Yeah. And powerful, a powerful woman. <laughs> Yeah, and that powerful woman, ironically, is looking for them, for for them to for, for a man to lead her, but he doesn't know how to because he's she's fallen in love. So this is the typical breakdown. So this woman has fallen in love with this man because she was brought up in a family where um, her father was um, completely um, unemotional and didn't give her the love that they, that she wanted. So she naturally looked for that in a man that was more open, um, had more feminine caring energy about him. Um, however, that suits courtship and connection and this, this developing this love and intimacy and all this and stuff and, and sharing and, and breaking down all these barriers that may have been in there for through childhood. But then when the, when the whips start cracking, which is kids, finances, serious shit, um, that, that level of emotional state and that kind of um, upbringing needs to shift. And so the man um, doesn't know how to make the shift. He's, he's, he doesn't want to upset the apple cart anymore. Um, then he's like gone into, you know, I can see there's a child in there, so I'm just not going to swear. He's kind of gone under FU mode. It's like, right, well. Kelly's got, Kelly's got her ears in, mate. It's all okay, good. Okay, cool. um, he's basically <laughs> going like, oh, okay, fuck you. Um, I'm going to get what love and connection I need through the kids because they're still young enough to love me and I'll get what significance I need through at least I'm bringing an income and working. We can't seem to click at the moment, but I'm also unsure about how to I don't even know if I can leave that relationship because I'm so morally connected to marriage. That's a long example of who I deal with. That's a pretty spot on example, uh, how you would describe my uh, first marriage. <laughs> so yeah, very nurturing, uh, very naive, very keen. And then to run into this beauty sheet. and um, I don't know how I do it, but I keep meeting these very, very, very attractive women that I'm batting way above my average. Um, and so the rose colored glasses are on and then all of a sudden it becomes very, very real. Um, and I, I suppressed through provide protect mate. Like I've got to work, I've got to work, I've got to work. Um, 
now obviously I wouldn't change anything I went through or been through and things like that. But yeah, mate, I want to go straight there. Like, what's the? I want to know how you inspire your men back into like because how do you make your your your, your woman like become a supermodel? You allow the time and the space for her to go get dressed up. You buy something nicer or you, you yeah. You, like it's probably yeah. not even to that to that level, right? So, look, I'll yep. give you some examples of um, so like the biggest breakthroughs I've seen men get is it, it's around this level of certainty and directionality because when we have um, uncertainty, it's, it is it, it completely um, removes all level of passion and connection, all that kind of stuff. But why why does a person not have certainty? How does he even know to turn up as himself anymore? Um, and I kind of lost the question, but I'm trying to thread my way back to it. <laughs> it's okay, mate. Um, so what was the question? I got lost in my own no, thought. That's right. It's like, how, like you talked about, well, the question was, how do you get back in the game? Oh, okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, what I find right is what causes, what, why a relationship will reach a certain point and it can be on the edge of, of disaster or, you know, to use a renovate, uh, real estate term, renovate or detonate, um, is they just don't have the skills to be able to have the conversation. You know, when you have that first conversation, it kind of opens things up and it's okay to start talking about things and we don't feel so embarrassed and da, 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 da. So it's, it's interesting. The very fact that men commit to invest in themselves to do something almost for, creates a trigger within inside of them. So like I'll have someone do a program with me like a dad and they will speak to their wife about spending the money, which is totally cool. Eventually they get to the point where they don't because they just invest themselves and they grow and they get results, but they want to talk to their wife. And even that is a breakthrough to go for them to acknowledge things are not right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm at fault because we don't ever want blame, but they're taking ownership and responsibility for their lot. And that in itself um, creates like this, this space or this container in a relationship where they all of a sudden feel um, like a level of oneness. And even though there's a big bridge to still go across, this dialogue has happened. And I see it all the time. I get messages from dads just going, Mate, like, you know, I talked to my wife about it. We actually got really emotional. It was the first time they'd actually gotten, like, I get goosebumps better now. Like they'd gotten physically, you know, emotional about having the conversation because they, it, was a, it was the elephant in the room, right? So often is. So it's them, them deciding to take action and ownership um, creates a massive shift. Now, like, within what I teach, teach dads, um, I'm, I've got specific exercises and learnings that do three things. One is it's, and this is just in general, right? Like we probably all know it. Like if you're working, if you work to coach transformation, one thing is you've got to teach something, you've got to learn it and then you've got to do it and then you've got to share it. So that environment for men, because men have lost their voice, that allows them to start to claim a bit of who they are and their truth. And that gives them a lot of power, right? And I do that in a social environment. Um, but they're learning stuff that allows them to engage with their wife where she doesn't look at them like, fuck, you're a dumbass, um, to, holy shit, Dave's got game. Um, like, yeah, okay, that may, now we're making sense. And there starts to be a different shift in energy and you see dads turning up, like viscerally their face has changed in colour in a couple of weeks because the stress has left their body and they're probably getting laid. Um, 
and they don't feel like this tension. So it's, it's lots of different things to lots of different people. First, it's the act of committing to change. That's huge, right? Um, and, you know, we all know like the act of putting your hand in your pocket to invest money in yourself is crazy for most people, right? Um, until they feel, unfortunately, feel enough pain and someone with marketing like me turns up and they're like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> and, but then it's taking knowledge, applying it, then getting social feedback from other men is massive and then they implement it and they get validation and then you, the kids start telling them, oh, it's so good to have a happy dad back, not a cranky dad anymore. Then all of a sudden they're like bulletproof. 100%. Um, I've, uh, I've got some key self-sabotages and I talk it openly in my group. One is if I start wanting to travel a lot in my business, that's one, that's a big thing for me. So that's, I really need to get out of this space now. I know how I cool. I know what this is. And the other thing is I start really blaming I start really, and blame, I read this way, I start really blaming Jess for, or blaming myself for her unhappiness. And I asked a question yesterday. I'm like, are you, uh, and disconnect in the, um, in the communication, not being in front of each other, that stuff. And I said, I said, I in emotional space, but I said, I'm sick and tired of being uh, your reason for being unhappy. Look where we live. Look how we live. Look at the kids, look at the experiences. And she goes, I'm not unhappy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's and that just that just changed everything. Yeah, that really changed everything. But like, uh, I become dumb when it when it's my own partner. Like, how do you, like, we teach it, we do it, we live it, we breathe it. How do you show up when when um, your amazing wife starts to put the heat on you or starts to challenge you? Um. Oh man, sometimes I don't. Like, I'll be totally honest with you. Like, it's always like up and down. I'll just be straight up, but like. The best, like I know what the things I have to be mindful of, like so I know what my wife's love languages are. I know what the things that she needs. Um, when, when we're not organised enough or doing all the foundational work around the kids, where are we going, what's our plan, finances is always huge in a family. If those things are not being ticked, then she will react from that, right? And she will, she will, she loves and supports me. So she's kind of like, yep, cool, Dave's got it sorted out, Dave's got it sorted out. But if I'm not acknowledging it or dealing with it, then it explodes. Now, I know from my own learning is that that is her asking for me for certainty and I can either be the boy and obviously retreat and shut down, which I do sometimes, or it's a signal to me to go, right, I've got to step into this with her um, and, and hold her and talk to her and listen to her about you know, what she's feeling and they go, okay, cool, right, let's, let's make some changes and take responsibility if you've been hands off the steering wheel or you've been too focused on your business or this or that. So it's, it's, it's being a, knowing what each other needs and, and understanding that and communicating that with each other and then, like, you know, having, like, like relationships need processes and systems too. Um, there's nothing wrong with going, like, cool, like, weekly check-ins, um, what are the things we need to keep doing? I know like we've, we've got three kids. We had our third daughter about 18 months ago. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride the last 18 months <laughs> with, a, with another little munchkin in the, in the, in the hood. Um, and you're that's, a brave man. How, how old are you? Me, I'm 46. And you're a young 46. Like um, you look, uh, you're training, you look after yourself, but 46. And, yeah. and you've got a, a beautiful little one under two. Yeah. Mate, that's, that's like, well, that's awesome. Like, mate, like, we've got five in our blended family, okay? And the youngest is, um, 
Yeah, Lara, who's uh, sorry, Evelyn, and I don't see my kids nasty divorce, all that sort of stuff, trying to work it back. But even like we've talked about more children and things like that, and I don't think I can do it. <laughs> no, we've we definitely done that. We've definitely done, we definitely that. done. So, yeah. congratulations on that. Um, how has all right, that's a really great like a, a young child. I've taught, I've got a, quite a few clients and couple spaces that like since the children came along they're not the same person it's been different like it's been i feel rejected i feel unloved unappreciated like like those sort of stories like mate like tell tell us a bit about that like that's yeah. something that i was for me it was really strong in my marriage as well so for um most like like i'll just speak from like perspective of clients and and and, and dads and community that i work with that are in that kind of situation and, and how I've been able to help serve them. So what it is is that, they, you know, once again, they can start to see their partner's unhappiness as a reflection of, of what they're doing because they're, we, we, we don't see the signals. So once they become a bit more aware of like, right, when your wife is this way, it's not that she's angry at you. She's actually just, you know, she's, she's feeling a bit uncertain about herself. So she's looking for certainty. So giving them the skills to be able to have the conversations around okay right well like you know make how, how we're going to make sure that we can be continue to connect and maintain a level of like of love and connection now that has to be important to you in the first place like if you don't have a value around that then you can't give a prescription to someone that doesn't want to get well um you need you need to really be you know conscious about right okay well if this is important to you like a level of connection and love um, what do we need to do to make sure this regularly happens? Because we know all these other kind of things are going to come up. So communication is super key. Um, developing the skills to step into uncertain conversations, and that just comes from practice. Um, and they can be really uncomfortable, um, super uncomfortable. It's like everything, going to the gym for the first time, whatever it is, like the building muscle, getting strong, it sucks at the start. So there's, um, I find by giving those dads more, um, just, there's a really, I can't remember the person who shared it with me, but it's always like, you know, when someone's looking to make change, it's like, do I have permission? Um, oh gosh, what is it? Do I have permission? Will you go with me? No, do I have permission? Is it possible? And will you go with me? So a lot of times, you know, giving people permission that, that they'll have, that it, that it is possible and then you'll also go with them, then allows them, get, lets them build the skills up to start having that conversation. And, and it really it just starts from them starting to have more certainty in who they are so that that when they say they're going to do stuff, they do it, that builds trust. When they start to make a conscious effort to leave their troubles at the door from work so they come in not as a cranky dad but more happier and present for the kids, that builds trust. Now, for men particularly, like what, what creates that cranky dad syndrome is it's... Um, irrefutable law like i've tested it time and time and time again it will always come down to their level of output in the daytime so the standards they have about the commitments they make when they're not meeting their standards and their commitments each day they'll project that anger out onto those that love them most because they feel like they've let them down and i'm not worthy of this family that's really really well put that that i've never heard it explained that way um but I definitely that resonates really, really heavily. But and and just on this topic too, the one thing that I've seen with some of the disconnect, um, we don't specialise in dads, but what the what happens in our business is like we generally market to the the wives or the women 
and they go, oh, please come and fix my, my partner. I'm like, well, hey, how about we start with you? Um, and then we sort of go from there. But the, I get, I quite often a complaint I get is that one party has a really high libido and the other party has a really low sex drive, just yeah. as a complaint and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, what do you find? Like, I often find that it's the men that have a really low sex drive that yeah. I start working yeah. with. Is that, is that something you see quite often? Yep. Um, so there's, so there's, there's a, I do see it quite often to answer the first, first part of your question. And I'm just, I'm just thinking about some particular examples of clients that I've, I've seen that have had that challenge. And, you know, and I, and I, I think about them and I just have a lot of respect from the fact that, you know, they've gotten on a phone call with me, a complete stranger and shared with them that that's their challenge. So I'm just like consciously acknowledging them. Um, the, you know, and how does that come about? So a lot of it will come about from like what, like what is happening in that man's life? Like how does he, and what's his level of self-trust? Because so self-trust drives confidence. Everyone's like, oh, confidence and, and give me that level of like, um, uh, uh, I'm lost for words, but anyway, giving that level of confidence comes from self-trust. So for everything for me with a man that's got that kind of in, like imbalance and libido, when I dig into it, um, where they are in life right now is not where they want to be. And so they feel less, they feel a sense of like of low self-worth. Uh, now, usually blended into that is poor diet, not really looking after themselves, like really basic stuff. So they don't even really like who they see in the mirror each day. So like I find that level that they become, become a balance to that once they start really, really anchoring in who they are, getting clear about where they're going in life, um, taking action on their commitments each day. So then they feel this deep level of inner strength. Now that person, that man that connects to that level of masculinity, he shows up a lot more different. He's got more confidence to just grab his wife. He's not worried about rejection because that could be just her going far out. I'm a bit scared. We haven't actually done this for a really, really long time because we haven't, because our relationship's been really weird. And now he's just showing up this way. He's, he's, he's built, built the inner level of confidence and certainly to push through that. Um, but it, but it certainly comes from me. Like when I go back over the backstory of it, it'll be like a six or seven year period. And it's come from like not enough communication, not enough, um, you know, conscious understanding about what each other needs. And then we go into this pattern for about, if you, when you're talking about kids and marriage and relationship, you're really in a holding pattern or you can be for like seven years where they become the center of your life and they can become a really convenient distraction. If you don't have the communication skills to then have the other conversations you need to have about what your needs are. Really, that's an it's an amazing point, and it's um interesting you bring up self trust and where it leads to and that sort of stuff. Like, um, oh boy, like a, a couple of little breakthroughs. I've just I've actually written down need to join your boot camp, <laughs> and it's because it, um it's it's six weeks is not a lot of time, and and as I don't know, like you talked about, and we're gonna I want to ask you questions about that that ten year phase or however long it was in the addiction and suppression and yeah. what it took for you to get out of it. But yep. um, uh, someone said, have I been putting weight on? <laughs> Maybe I, actually I have. I'm seven kilos overweight. Last I checked last week and I, I joined the, um, I joined Chris Hemsworth app, the center app. Because oh, yeah, I, that was great. Yeah, I wanted a little bit of extra accountability and already feeling better within a couple of weeks. Um, so, yes, I, I have. Thank you for noticing. It must be my puffy cheeks. Um, but um, when... when you talk about you talk about um, when the roles shift. Okay, so we've gone up, we've grabbed our hot, our, our beautiful unicorn. Yep. All of a sudden, they're the most beautiful 
and the, the, we're starting to tingle and it's all good to go. And then you go and then wham, bam, thank you, man. So we've hardly done it for seven years and it'd be, it's, it's over in about 30 seconds. And then it's like, all right, cool. Like, how do we do this again? <laughs> like, it's like, cool, what's next? Like, how, how do you, like, how do you get the consistency and how do you avoid complacency and that sort of stuff? And because as you yeah. know, what goes up must come down. Um, yeah. Yeah. 5.2 minutes is what Michael said around the global average of sex. So I guess there you go. There's a fact. So um, like, how, how, think, do you, how, how do you encourage consistency and, and, and avoid complacency? I think it's the, the, the avoiding complacency is the most important thing. Consistency means it's something different for everyone. Right? Yeah. And um, so avoiding the complacency is going back to right. Well, what, what, um, so like, I've, like there's, a, there's another really... Like I'm actually just making some tweaks for now, but last year I, I surveyed like a whole heap of men because um, it's like, you know, when you're in this space of serving and helping people, it's just like, what the fuck does everyone need, right? Because I can sit here and create all manner of programs. I've been talking to thousands of men for the last couple of years. I know intimate details about what drives people and what their pains are. And I did a survey and I did it by email and in my Facebook group and I was like, okay, does everyone want, you know, more certainty um, and leadership like, so they can shop as the alpha male? Do they want to be um, less of a cranky dad? Do they want to have more um, influence so they can attract more people? Or do you want more, like, love and connection in your marriage? And 90% of, of respondents were like, I need more love and connection in my marriage because they were completely devoid of tools. Um, and I use this expression, housemates, right, because you just literally – you know, you, the, the level, and we've all done this, like the level of connection we have is text messages about dinner on the way home from work. And then we walk in the front door, we just get into dad mode, sit on the couch. Um, that's our reward um, for the day for maybe, you know, just doing what we did that day. And, um, and then it maybe we go watch television in our separate bedrooms because then it allows us to avoid conversation of some way, shape or form. So the complacency side of things is, first of all, you've got to, it's like all change. You've got to want to change, right? So, A, that's the first thing about complacency. And it's like when you coach and lead anyone, like you can't really help someone change who doesn't want to change. Um, in fact, like, I won't. It's like you've got to want to do it. Or else, um, or else you're, just, you're just trying to use sabotage or secondary gain um, on this program and blame me. Um, so once they want to do it, um, then avoiding the complacency is, well, getting clear about what you want. So you can't be complacent about something that you don't know what it is. So once you get clear about what it is and what that means, um, and once again, that's all very different for every kind of relationship, then you start to step, you know, set standards in place, have a plan in place. Um, what is, what is, what are the, like, if you're, if there's, a, if there's a failing in an area of your life, it'll always down to be the level of standards that you're not keeping. Um, and that goes for both parties. So it's, you've got to be, before you can be, um, uh, stop yourself from being complacent, you have to know what you're being complacent of. Really, really, really yeah, good consistency point. just becomes a standard if that's if that's um, what becomes uh, uh, oh shit oh shit sorry uh, um, sorry we just got times mixed up with someone <laughs> they're like are we still catching up and I was like oh yeah it's later on they're in WA anyway I'm <laughs> it's all good, um, it's all good um, so um, yeah that's like how I would like answer that question it's first of all avoiding the complacency by um, knowing actually what you want because then once you know what you want then you go okay right well how do we make this happen um and then then that becomes your standards and your values sit around that and that yeah. helps 
I think that when um, Jess went through this massive shift, like uh, she was miserable for about 12 months um, and within herself, like their business contracted and she wasn't doing, wasn't living a love and, and all that other stuff. It wasn't clear. And she'd done all the growth and she went through this massive change and it threw our life into absolute chaos. And um, she went straight back into alpha empowered woman and she would throw things at me like, Hey, that's a drama. This is our new standard. We didn't agree to this. Like you need to step up. Um, how like that can be really confrontational for, especially if me, I'm rigid, masculine. Like how do you, how do you help guys take on the feedback and understand it? So first of all, they've got to understand what feedback is um, and not, it's not criticism. So it's it's more, there's varying levels, right? So like um, I love sport and gym analogies because I like to keep fit, but it's like, I'm not going to ask someone to bench press a hundred kilos if they haven't been to the gym. So first thing is, you know, they've acknowledged things are not where they want to be. Cool. Okay. That's good. Let's, let's start to give you a level of education and awareness about how this has come up. So you don't keep thinking it's your problem or you're broken or there's something wrong with you. It's just life, but we don't get the toolkit to make it happen. Um, so they need to. Oh, I had a lost where I train a thought again. Sorry, man, you're doing good. Feedback versus criticism. Feedback, feedback versus criticism. Yeah. So then, then they understand. Sorry, my brain's All going. Right. The the feedback side of things. Then they go, okay, cool. This is not criticism. It's just feedback. Now, there are there are going to be varying levels of feedback. Like if you're getting physically things thrown at you, then you know you've also got to try and like, okay, I've got to interrupt this pattern because I'm not accepting that. For starters, it's a massive cry for help. It's whatever it is. It's a learned behaviour. Then this becomes a this becomes an ownership moment. Like as a man to go, hey, look, I love you and I care for you, but I'm not going to stand for that shit anymore. Not in this relationship. Um, if you're going to throw stuff at me, not on. Simple as that. So there's a. I think. I think the other thing before you go and like continue yeah. expanding that, I think with the whole DV and labeling, and I don't buy into it, but I think what happens is it's so easy, um, and I'm probably going to get hate mail over this. It's so easy for uh, that feminine partner to potentially throw that out if it's going to get to that level of feedback. And a lot of guys that I run into have usually exploded once and had everything thrown at them. So mm. that's kind of what I, that's kind of like a lot, cause there must be like when we talk about suppression and, and pushing things down, I guess anger would probably and frustration and shame yeah. would be some key emotions you'd be commonly dealing with. Would that, would that yeah. be a fair comment? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the, the shame and guilt and, and um, anger. Cause there's the anger at um, a, they, uh, don't know why they have these patterns of behaviour that they can't stop. Um, it's almost like imagine yourself you're in a car accident and you can see yourself in the accident. Um, that's what it's like for a lot of them, but it's in slow motion. And like, why can't I stop reacting this way? My kids don't deserve this. Why do I keep snapping this way? Why do I? Why do I just keep reacting angrily to every situation versus you know stepping into it from a place of love? Mm. So they understand that they have been conditioned that way. And that's so, so like this whole thing about like there is a gradient of transformation. Like, you know, I know everyone wants to just get to Nirvana straight away, but um, you can certainly, you know, if you listen to enough books and read enough things, like it's like, bang, yeah, if you want to make a decision, you can change 100%. Absolutely. Some people have got a lot of 
emotional baggage they're dealing with that they need to release. Otherwise, they're going to do something pretty drastic, right? They're going to do that in a safe, easy way. Then the shame and the guilt comes from the seeing their actions and doing the things that they're doing and knowing they're doing them and then um, not being able to stop themselves almost, right? And then there's the shame and the guilt of like drug addictions, alcohol, whatever it is, right? When you start to hide those things, um, you know, then that, that leads to another level. But then you kind of yeah. like balance that off because, well, I'm, I'm in a really high-paying salary, six-figure income, multiple six figures. I'm providing so I can get away with that. That's cool. Yep, 100%, mate. Like uh, Gareth J. White um, said it beautifully well in one of his interviews. He said, uh, I was so in love with Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels never rejected me. It sat around all day. It waited for me. It never talked back at me. It just accepted me for who I was. And so he buried himself for years, um, drinking basically almost a bottle of Jack a day. Um, uh, and like, you can go as deep as you want into your story, mate. But what, what do you think you, like, I don't know if it's the answer is obvious or not, but what, what were you pushing away? What were you pushing down? Like, what, what was so bad that, that you felt like you had to suppress so heavily? Um, I felt yeah, there was definitely like a devil a level of shame and embarrassment about um what it what had happened to me when I was younger. Yep. And there was um proceed from that to picture this I'll give you the whole context. Well not not the detail but the context. This this what happened to me, it came to a crescendo or a moment one day when my mum confronted me. I was about twelve years old. And she said, oh, look, the police have contacted me. And, um, and I, like, instantly, like, knew what it was about, right, even though I was only 12. And I, um, she asked me, like, you know, did anything happen? And in this split second, I was like, right, do I tell the truth or do I lie? And I lied and I said nothing, you know, nothing happened, totally all cool, everything was all fine. And... Then I, you know, went through this process when I was not process, like I was just the thoughts I was going through my mind at, at that age was um, I actually can't, I can't trust myself to make decisions because of I, of what happened. So I blamed myself for allowing that to happen to me. Mm. And then I because then I had a really low sense of self-worth despite external um, appearances. Um, I then gravitated towards initially lots of drugs and alcohol and sex. I would have had massive validation through those things for a number of years. And um, it gave me huge significance, right? And I, that was an identity, but then drugs and alcohol became more in my loss for answers with, with um, where I was going in life it just was my only way. I used to call it, I'd come to a Friday and I'd be going, I'm going to get numb. Like I, I would literally call it going to get numb. And that would be, you know, copious amounts of alcohol, like mm. lots of drugs after that, always on a Friday yeah. night. And it was my reward for putting up for a job I fucking hated. Yeah, I did eight years in the uh, motor industry and, and I'm pretty high stress and I gained 30 kilos, became very angry. We were drinking Thursday through Sunday. Uh, even and even sometimes every day that ended in Y. Um, that was in my 20s. So um, from age 
20 to 28, I was an incredible drinker. And I used to say, like, I can't wait to get smashed this weekend. I used to put alcohol in the budget. Like, I prioritised that bad. Well, at least you had a budget. Yeah, well, because I, I wanted to make sure I had enough money to go out. Yeah. So um, I always worked very hard, and I imagine you did too. Um, I worked very hard at covering up what was going on. I worked very hard at every day of my job. It was seven to seven. Um, there was a lot of justification. Um, I just, I just didn't know. I didn't have a clue. Yeah. Um, and until I could actually accept and surrender that I had no freaking idea. Actually, no, I had no fucking idea. Um, and I put myself in front of the right person, and that was personal development because I talked my way out of counselling for. 20 years like I'd go into the old psychologist first label I got was alcoholic induced depression then it was anxiety then it was depression then it was PTSD then it was complex trauma and then it was like you've got everything like I was talking my way out of counseling and psychology like did you go through any of the traditional sports stuff no mate, I didn't like I I just self-medicated <laughs> to be honest um yep self-medicated and somehow managed to create a lot of success for myself, um, marry a really awesome woman, have a lot of have some great kids, um, but avoided all that. Like I was in massive denial um, and that to the point where, you know, I shifted my peer group to be with a peer group of people that did more of what I was doing. So I felt it was normal behavior um, and it really like it was a slow transgression out of it for me where I just, I, I think when I got, I got back to being much more healthier and I started to shift my identity back to health, my, my progression was I got healthier. So that lifted the fog, right? Um, because I was just so medicated and i um, not medicated, but it's like, it's, it's like what's easy for myself, but like just so much drugs and alcohol. And then once I got clear of that, uh, then I started to get more frustrated because I could see how good life could be and I was feeling great, but then I had all these, uh, these um, self-sabotage behaviours still going on that wouldn't allow me to be where I wanted to be. And then um, I can still remember the moment where I was like in bed, in bed with my kids, reading them a book, we were having a bit of a cuddle, and then bang, all the memories came flooding back to me of what happened to me that I just pushed down for 30 years. Mm. And I didn't really see anyone about that. I, I did know someone in the police force that had a lot of experience um, in that area of police work, he led a lot of major task force and I just went to him because I was like, I didn't even know who to talk to. I'd never told anyone ever about it. And then I had to, like, I had to share that with my, my mum and my dad and my brother and my wife. Um, so that, that was, you know, one stepping stone, like a big release of pain that, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Hey, Mel, can you, um, Mel, we've got a few comments there, mate. Um, are you able to um, yeah. uh, interrupt any time and share some of those comments and things like that? Uh, Dave and I could talk for about 10 hours, but I want to make sure that um, everyone's questions are answered. A lot of people are like, like really captivated by your story. And I think what they're starting to gather is like, we sell this about men and sex and how to get back into it. Like, sex is like the byproduct of just knowing yourself and like I find when, when we're connected with self and, and, and we're focused on all areas of life, my inter our sex life goes through the roof. So I think there's a bit of a, cause a lot of these, I've got some questions, uh, some other questions I wanted to ask as well 
um, they're quite interesting questions about, and I, and one of them was how you decide when you meet a guy when it's time to end your dating profile. That was what like, profile? The Tinder profile or whatever they're right. doing. Like, yeah. um, I've never had a Tinder account. I don't know if you've had one or not, no, but too like, old. I guess because women don't, uh, and one of my clients is on here, and we've talked about women do not do relationships. Women do not date. I don't believe women date. They do relationships. So, like, how it's basically how do you help a guy transition, or how do you know when a guy's transitioned to, like, yep, yeah, I don't know, going steady. Like, what's the high school like boyfriend girlfriend? Oh, like, oh man, yeah, well that's you know really, I mean? like, like that's I like for me, like I always saw that as my that was um, in the relationship that I wanted to create. That I needed to own that moment. Yep, that's me standing into that moment as a man. And saying this is where we're together, um, yeah. and knowing I'll tell you the story about how I told my wife I loved her. Right, you love this. Yeah. So, go. Um, so I just got to get rid of the comments. So I want you to picture this. Close your eyes, everyone. We're, we we met in London uh, back in two thousand and three. It's a I don't know if you've been to London. There's an area called Grosvenor Square, which is very posh. Um, there's a hotel called the Grosvenor Hotel. Gordon Ramsay's got a restaurant on there. It's really beautiful. We've just been out there for dinner, drinks with friends. I'm hailing a black cab to go to our place like we lived in Kensington and there's snow drifting down. I'm just like, this is it. This is the moment. I'm going to tell her I love her. Like it's on. And so then I, I just turned her and I looked at her and I told her I love her and she looked at me and she says, why the fuck would you tell me that? <laughs> um, so... The cab ride was a little bit uh, a bit odd. Um, I was like, right, it didn't go so well. Um, not as good as I was hoping. And then you know, we go back home, we get into bed. And then, you know, I was um, I was like, I sat on top of her and I said, look, and I, I knew this was the reason. I said, look, I don't know who's hurt you. I don't know who's let you down or who's, who's made you feel this way. But I want you to know that I'm always going to be here. And so, and then, you know, things clicked, but that took me to own that moment. Like I had to push through her resistance because I knew that's what she was feeling. She you know, every bloke with a Ferrari and a Lamborghini trying to chase her and, and better. Um, and, you know, I had to push through that. Yep. So in Mate. terms of like relationships and I don't know when you go from boyfriend to girlfriend, um, part of it is you you need to know what you want in a relationship you need to live that when that shows up you have to have some courage to go for it basically but there are no guarantees in relationships all the life that is a great answer that is well i 100 percent agree like also if a man's interested you'll know <laughs> like if a man's interested we are we will get really creative to get in front of you i know i did to get in front of jess um when i met jess uh, actually she was no interested in men and I was like a setup and she didn't I was a setup but she was dancing at a hen's night with a stripper like she was in a get up and wearing penises around her neck and bloody in like really dolled up and I thought I'm in trouble but yeah she was up on stage with a stripper and um, yeah and she came over and said g'day so I like I really had to own it then so like that's a cool story the fact that you didn't shut down you, you you stayed in that moment, you owned it, and then you reassured her. So that that's awesome, man. Like, I hope you tell your kids that. <laughs> yeah, when they're a bit older. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a great question, two questions, really quality questions that come up in the chats. One was, 
how do you inspire your partner, fem- how, the female, how do they inspire their partner into masculine energy without mm-hmm. criticising or that will mm-hmm. make you find the emasculate? Yeah. The masculine, you know what I mean. Just encouragement, like um, it's like anything when you see someone doing something or they've done something that um, is they feel good about, and it's actually of service to you. Like whatever it could be, just positive encouragement and reinforcement, um, the way to ease them out of that, um, and that, and that you'll gradually see them lift up more and more. Now, the reality is, unfortunately, like we all make change from two places, like it's either from extreme pain or we develop a level of awareness about what we want. So, um, you know, when you're in that situation, obviously like no man loves being told what to do or you need to go do this program because you're fucked or broken. That usually doesn't go down so well um, in my experience. Um, there are a bit of some situations where things become an ultimatum. Like I have had clients come, but they've been highly motivated because they're like, if I don't do this, I'm losing what I, I built my life to have, but for some reason I've lost the skills to make it happen. So there's, they've got massive leverage um, being put upon them. So yeah, for, for women, like there's a generally a level of, of, of in, encouragement. Um, usually when a man's not stepping into his masculine, he's feeling uncertain about himself. So giving encouragement um, and reaffirming positive behaviours makes people feel more confident. Now, he's got to at some point also own what he needs to own, right? Um, and that is, that always comes from a man having that level of directionality and decisiveness in who they are and what they do. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, really great um, reply there. And we're also, like uh, I said when we weren't recording, I've got a great friend of mine and another, uh, Michael, who's listening. And um, hello, Michael. Um, he's coming on next week to talk about it'll be a lot of similarities different verbiage obviously different education that sort of stuff but um going into a lot of the stuff about rebuilding the divorce man and um i really love the fact you talked about networking and how a lot like we really need to lift each other up um and yeah michael just said david's on the money so um it's really great to hear like and i'm like yep 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 (laughs) so um another great question from um one of our amazing coaches kobe um, she said, just in relation to, as a parent, how would you do things differently if, say, your child came to you? or Like, how would you do things differently if they ever went through something that you went through? <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, I, well, you want to do everything from a place of love. Um you want to be fake, like look, like, and I'm not perfect at this, but I, but I, I, I work hard on doing it. My wife is better at them than I am, but it's creating a positive relationship around the truth. So it's probably less about what I would do differently. It's what I'm doing now to make sure that when something does go wrong, and I know they have done something wrong, we all want them to be able to come to us and go, you know what, I crashed your car, fucking sorry, um, or, or this has happened. Now, they only do that when they feel safe, they're not going to get shouted at or they're from a little thing or whatever it is. Like, that's the difference between having discipline and going, hey, you can't keep hitting your sister in the head. Not cool. Um, versus when they've done something wrong, your, your own personal rejection on reaction, that is never usually that good. And if that stacks emotionally over a period of time, then they'll, they'll create um, a, 
a, um, an emotional stack with you where they'll see you and, and be scared to tell the truth because there's that visceral pain of past things. So how would I react now if I heard that happen? Um, you know, I would just try and be as calm as I could. Um, but, you know, I'd probably grab my wife over whilst I would sharpen an ax, I'd probably be pretty honest with you. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. um, I would be... For her, though, to make her feel safe, I would respond with a lot of calmness and love. Um, what would happen afterwards is a completely different. Um, uh, I mean, we don't want to. We don't want to. It's not about like going to full detail what you do. It's not about that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we we do not want to hold space for that. I think yeah. it's just yeah. it's more about like what did you? What have your parents? I guess inspired you? Like your mum's tried to have a conversation with you, and mm. and and then that fear appeared, and then you protected yourself, and then you went through thirty something years of like how, what sort of stuff do you do with your kids now to ensure they know they can come to you i, I think it's just there probably just loop back to that first point which is like working hard on um knowing that working hard on what your responses are to situations because they've got a level of uncertainty they're just trying to work out the world and they'll do something wrong and well not wrong they'll make a mistake or they'll do something you can either get angry because they broke a plate who gives a shit um, or you or you can get angry and that that means that every time they do something wrong they they know right well if I tell the truth about this the reaction is not going to be good so forming a positive relationship between openness and telling the truth and how you respond um, yeah. I, I can see when I'm not doing that well and I can see that when I am doing it well what the relationship is like so that's probably the best thing like this yeah. um, in terms of making sure that they come to you when they're feeling uncertain or, or unsafe. Yep. Um, it, I actually misplaced a child on a bushwalk not so long ago and um, right near the beach. And I had to make a decision. Do I take the younger one back and the new puppy and then get back and hightail it? Or do we keep walking around circles and bush? So I made the decision to get the other back safety and then I hightailed it. But what I was so proud of, the fact that he went to the lifeguard we were literally a K and a half and there was, it was pretty quiet and things like that. But what I'm so grateful for was his decision-making. But when I found, when I started to think the worst case scenario, my business is over, my life is over, my, like not, not in that order, obviously, but there's kids gone. Like you start projecting the worst things that could happen. Like I've, yeah, what happened when I had to get on the beach and give myself calm because the lifeguard came and waved me over. I'm like, think like, don't get angry. Don't show fear. Like just get it out. Mm. I stood with my feet in the water and just looked at the water and just said, geez, he actually made an awesome decision that I'm so proud of. And he would have been so scared, which he was and his tears. And I just, mate, you just did such a good job. Yeah. And then we worked, then we worked out how we were going to calm mum down from there. <laughs> it wasn't, it, yeah. So, um, because we're going to screw things up. We really are. Dad's like, I screw things up every... Like, we did the failing podcast last week and it was about... You, you can't possibly fail, but it's always about learning and growing and expanding, like... Um, and also, um, like, being a student first, obviously. For me, I always want to be a student and learn before I teach. Yep. So, um, what I'd love to know now, mate, like... Um, and we've been going over time which is really cool and i thank you for that um can you share like share about your socials mate like i know you've got an incredible podcast you're up to about episode 59 or 60 
or something like that or oh i think i'm only up to about about 20 sorry oh, I'd i thought you're in the 50s mate i thought you're in the front yeah i like i'll yeah. just um share your podcast where people can find you um that sort of stuff where, where they can add you um yeah so the best ways to connect with me um are um your podcast is just the optimized dad secrets podcast um, the Optimized Dad Facebook group, or, or uh, you know, I'm, I'm mostly active on Facebook. I do do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, in terms of like, you know, the easiest way to connect with me work-wise is here. Like, I do a six-week bootcamp program. Um, I, I I feel like the thing that's most beneficial to a lot of men right now is like I have a 14-day program that is just basically called the 14-day marriage makeover. Um, and I built that last year, but I'm, I'm tweaking it a bit now because I know that's one of the biggest issues a lot of people are facing in isolation is that there is a huge amount of pressure now in their relationship and that distance they were able to create between each other that kept it together, i.e. work, is now evaporated and now there is no, um, there is no uncomfortable silences. There is just we are here now and we're not dealing with the shit we need to deal with. All our red wine supplies going down um, and the beer's being drunk um, and uh, it's, it's bringing up stuff. So there's a thing like um, it's, it's called, like I'll, I'll drop the link in the chat. Um, it's, it's basically I created something that was really also really affordable. Like it's $97 program uh, for dads to do who want to educate themselves to be able to lead themselves in their relationship so they don't feel like they just keep tripping over their feet every day. Um, and it's, it's teachers, you get taught, you have to do stuff, you have to share shit, um, and that gets you to own your voice and to be educated and to share that with your wife and then really cool shit happens. I, I think the one thing we've been, and Joel said it last week, he said it beautifully well, like if you're, and you'll answer this question the same way, if your kids needed a million dollars to feel better, what would you do? A million dollars, go make a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, and so there you go. So now you know you can do it. Go and do it for yourself. So like it's that finally not avoiding and committing to your own growth and to yourself. And $97, and I'm, I imagine you've spent months and months and months building that program. So $97 is phenomenal value um, uh, for, I imagine the amount of work because we've created a lot of programs and the amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just the overview and the questions and that sort of stuff. It's the graphic design. It's putting it together. It's the uploading the platform, 97 bucks. Like that is incredible um, value. So uh, thank you for sharing that mate. Um, uh, and also to like, if you, one last question before we, uh, before I hand out, hand over to Mel, like if any of the lay, any, any females are listening to this and they know that their partner needs help, but they don't know how to like, how would you inspire, how would you inspire them to say, get on the phone to you? Like, how do you, what do you advise the ladies that I potentially reach out to you and go, can you help my partner? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. So it depends on the, Every relationship is different, right? And every it's going to be at a, at a varying level. Um, there is, you know, just if if you're at a state where you're you're feeling a bit stale, there is a, there is a, there is an acknowledgement of that. Then just you know, uh, recommending or suggesting they have a look at it, or even just send them to my website because they can just register to look at like some of the free stuff I have is is going to get them looking at the reality. Is like they've got to make the decision. Um, but like if if the relationship is there's still love there, but there's no passion. So there's a frustration. 
then there, you know, you can just be blunt and say, babe, look like we need to get things back rock and roll. I heard this going up today. You should go check it out. Like just do it, do it for me, right? Because there's still love there, right? But if it's in a relationship where there um there is real negativity, but they do want it to work, but they've kind of if they admit it, they've kind of got one foot out the door, um, there's a lot more ego and hurt at play. So it may be more difficult. You might have to be more subtle um, about about it or you um, have to do the indirect approach, which is, you know, maybe they know someone that is close to them that can share it with them because that's the indirect approach usually works well because it removes the embarrassment and the shame, if that makes sense. It does. The way that the girls used to get the guys in front of me is they used to put my lives because I started going live when lives were really not, like I just would go live three, four times a day. Yeah. And so what they would listen to a live near their partner and eventually, eventually, yeah, yeah. like I've had that happen too. Like that is, yeah, bang on, bang on. Yeah. Like, but, but I just said, like the, um, the, um, the, the, the challenging circumstances is that um, men will change eventually, as I said, but it, it comes from two drivers. One is the pain has gotten great enough or they've developed a level of awareness about what they will lose if they don't act. So um, one is a little bit more easy than the other or less less um, traumatic. Um, yep. So um, as I said, like I have worked with men that have been given the ultimatum, but they've been motivated, not like, fuck, I'm just doing this because she told me to. It's like they know yep. what's on the line um, and I will see that in there. And, I, and I, will, I, will, I will hold them to account to that. Um, and then, yeah, indirect, and it just depends on the level of the relationship. Like yep. where they are. Yep. Awesome. Well, mate, I'm going to hand you over to uh, the amazing Mel. I'm sure she's probably got a page and a half of notes like I've got. Um, and I've been watching a lot of the people watching because we do it. As you know, you've been an uh, audience member. We do all our, all our podcasts live. And I've been watching a lot of people. And you've really, I think, and I don't know, give me some nods, but I reckon there's been some really good, some amazing gold, some awesome hints there that you could potentially start utilizing maybe sharing this podcast um available at all the podcasts wherever they get uploaded to <laughs> so um soundcloud and anchor and uh, all, all the places about 100 places it gets uploaded to so um i think there's been some amazing gold here some incredible value and uh, mate i just i'm so grateful that i know you mate and i just um and in all sincerity thank you so much because you do, you show up in my content, you, you you engage it, you really do give a shit about how guys are going um, and, and sincere, you're authentic. So I just want to thank you for giving us your time, mate. Oh, thank you, man. Hey, look, we, we both show up for each other because it's just a reflection of who we are, man. So thank you as well. No worries. So I'm going to hand it over to Mel. Thank you, Mel. Well, where do I even start? <laughs> I just have to say, wow, wow, wow. Thank you so much. The way that you speak is incredible. You have so much knowledge and so much confidence around this whole um, this whole subject, which is um, just speaks volumes about your experience and the people that you've helped. And thank you too for pretty much um, explaining my life over the last um, couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm now almost two years post-divorce so but uh everything you described i'm just there going yep yep yep, yep. i often get i often get dads <laughs> like respond to 
um, an email I write in detail about a situation because I just, I just, I'm literally, I just share my life and, and all the stuff that I've gone through or, or go through in both my personal life and my marriage and whatever it is. Cause I know that's what that it connects, but like, I'll literally be like, man, it's like you're literally in my living room, like to the detail of you sitting on the kitchen floor, you know, drinking that beer. And that was me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, I definitely have to agree that it comes to a certain point where all men do wake up. Um, even my ex-husband over the last few weeks, um, I've noticed changes in him despite, despite me, you know, still planting all those little seeds, even post divorce, not for me, but for him to be a great, a, a better dad for it. Cause I've got three girls as well. To be a better dad for those three girls um you know he's finally come to that point where he is starting to work on himself and what that has done in our co-parenting relationship is phenomenal it's phenomenal you know we were so nasty towards each other to just have him finally own that part what that's yeah. done for me and being able to open myself up to, um, you know, my business, my clients, my everything, it's just changed so much. And so even though we're not together anymore, that relationship still plays such a big part. So, um, you're so humble, you're so relatable. So thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to say like on behalf of the conscious women and mamas and parents of the world, thank you for being you, you're an incredible leader. Oh, thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. Just really thank good. you so much. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. Amazing. It was awesome. to be on here. Awesome. Hey, um, before we go, like uh, we've had a pretty big month, April. Um, I think um, I want like how's the five AM club going, Mel? And plus, we've got our our, our breakthrough coaching certification um, starting May second. We've got two spaces yep. left. We're nearly we're nearly sold out there. Um, so, um, what do we got? What do we got going on? What do we got coming up, Mel? Gosh, we've got so much coming up. So, Five AM Club is still running. Um, a few new faces, a few less yeah. faces with um, homeschooling starting. I guess there's a few mums and dads, I myself included, in starting that journey uh, yesterday or Monday. So, there's um, still Five AM Club every day, Monday to Friday on. This same um, Zoom, uh, yeah, okay. and um, we've got coming up this weekend two on Sunday two incredible webinars. So the Rural Resilience Project, which will be co-hosted with Leon, who is on this evening as well. Yep. And Kobe, I think. Oh no, Kobe's still with us. So she's talking about passionate parenting. So that's on Sunday as well. Two really awesome webinars that are open to not just our community, but to new people as well. And yeah, coaching certification. We've moved that online uh, as opposed to in person, starting next weekend. Um, and yeah, just pivoting yep. and creating more content yep. and uh, having people and, like yourself and, David and, come in and, yeah and rebrand rebrand huge announcements over the next two weeks we are going big 
Yes. After 10 years, <laughs> I'm finally going to have a freaking website. Can you believe it? 10 years of coaching and I'm finally, uh, there's a website coming. How exciting. You're, I'll go fine, you're fine to leave, David. Thank you so Dave, much. Right, yeah, thank, thank you. you. We'll wrap up. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, so the rebrand for those that are still hanging on for the end of the call. Uh, a very exciting um, and lots of work involved from the back end system. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great. It'll be a, a, a one platform for everything and. Um, yeah, room to grow and move and just yep. be awesome all around the world. Yep. yep. So also next week we've got the amazing Michael, who you do know, um, yeah. legendary extraordinaire, very good friend. We started as PT client um, pack marching. It's a great story of some, like this this guy for fun decided to go to a tropical island with no food. Um, just as the basic survival gear and I don't know, you might, I think he ate air and weeds and like all, like all this Bugs. crazy stuff. Bugs. <laughs> like Akuna Matata. Yeah. And, um, so we're going to share his, he's going to, we're going to get him go right in that story, but he's, he's incredible. He, he was at one of my retreats. Um, he was an incredible uh, leader in the men's space and um, has years and years like people go i do my week course and i become a hypnotherapist this guy has learned from the best in the business and i've personally been um under his magic voodoo spells and i'm i did live to um yeah he didn't i came out and i wasn't acting like a chicken or a duck or anything like that so <laughs> i was certainly grateful for some of the change he did in, in in me at the time but i'm super excited to get michael on him and we're going to talk about uh, you want to unmute michael we're going to um, talk about all things. We'll go right into relationships. He loves that space. We could probably even open up um, intimacy again. Um, but I definitely want him to share his tales of divorce and his business. And uh, what, what do you think the guys can be? What, what do we got to look forward to, uh, Michael? Well, we can cover a heap of topics. I mean, David's on the money about a whole heap of things. Um, there's some, I'd use slightly different language, and but um, he's, he's really on the money. Um, I guess, you know, um, rebuilding the divorce. Well, we can talk, um, what I'm interested in talking about is also rebuilding the divorce man, but also um, resilience and some lessons from survival, um, from, from actual survival challenges, putting yourself yep. out there where there is no safety net and, um, and and how that relates to what a lot of people are going on, going through right now. A lot of people going through tremendous uncertainty. Um, there's, you know, people, well, you know, there, there's a virus moving through our community that's killing people. Um, and so um, what do you do in times of uncertainty? What are the lessons of, of that survival training teaches you? Um, and also um, like to talk about rebuilding the divorce man because, well, there are um, a bunch of people on this call who um, uh, are divorced. And so um, what are the reliable things that happens to someone afterwards? And yep. um, so yeah, specifically, um, because I went through it myself and I noticed that there was a whole heap of transformations in the way that I processed information that were profoundly negative and profoundly um, disorientating. And so I needed to um, figure that out for myself. And then I created the Rebuilding Divorce Man program. And it turns out that um, my experience was um, common and so um while i specifically created the course for rebuilding the divorce man it also um crossed a, a lot of the lessons are very similar for women although women have um 
women's experience of divorce is somewhat different um, because um, they have a security aspect um, around their um, level of uncertainty after divorce that men typically don't. Um, but yeah. uh, so, um, it, so we can talk about what happens after divorce and the processes of how you put yourself back together. And so, yeah, beautiful. Um, awesome. Yeah, already comments. People are excited about that. So, thanks for um, unmuting Michael and and and, and adding uh, your very experienced uh, words. So, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, Mel, thank you, thank you. I, I was waiting for you to jump in tonight because I'm like, <laughs> you're gonna really resonate with this, but you're like, yeah, 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 it's yeah, absolutely. And you know, his content was just right on the money. I didn't feel like I really needed to ask any questions or, or quiz. He he gave us the gold straight up. There was yeah, no need to prompt anything more. And um, yeah, also I'm excited to hear Michael chat next week too. Him and I have shared uh, our journey of divorce together and him and I have had a couple of personal conversations. Haven't had one for a while, so I'd be interested to see what he's... Yeah. Oh, you know, he's still... He rang me two weeks ago and he had like 40 kilos on his back and he's huffing and puffing and I'm like, hey, Mike, what's going on? He goes, oh, just carrying 40 kilos on my back. I'm like, yeah, I haven't changed. He's like, nah, doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, I need to get you on the podcast. So he disappears. Yeah. Like, he disappears and he reappears, yeah. um, which is awesome. So always perfect timing. So yeah. <laughs> Yes. But thank you, everyone, for joining us. We will wrap it up for this evening. Anyone wants to join me at 5 a.m., it's on this Zoom with the password. I'll be there for all things yoga, meditation, and journaling. Awesome. Mel, thank you so much. Um, We can hit the stop button and say hello 